Before we look together into God's word, let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the stillness now of this afternoon hour, we want to humbly approach thy throne of grace, to kneel before thee, the God of the entire universe, to acknowledge not only thy greatness, but the great love that thou showed toward us, undeserving that we were. We heard this morning about the temptations of this life and about the, the insidious, sly nature of sin. And Heavenly Father, it's good for us to come unto thy word that we can, as the light exposes things that are hidden by darkness, that the light would now expose things in our own hearts and show us the way to be right with thee, that we may, through thy grace, be able to be holy as indeed thou art holy. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. For the meditation for this afternoon's worship service, uh, there's a portion of scripture that I've been thinking about a little bit lately, and it's found in Genesis, the 32nd chapter, Genesis chapter 32. If you'd like to turn with me there, and we'll begin reading at the 22nd verse. So that's Genesis 32, beginning with verse 22. And this is an excerpt from the life of the patriarch Jacob. And he, that's Jacob, rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his eleven sons and passed over the ford Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Therefore the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh, unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew that shrank. We have preserved here for us a, an account, a singular account,
that must have been recorded from Jacob's own words because he was the only one there to record it. It's an odd account. I don't profess to fully understand it. But I have been thinking a little bit about it and seeing things in there that resonate with me, with my life, with my own thoughts. And with the Lord's help, I'd like to share some of those things with you. Jacob was in an interesting position. His name means supplanter, one who takes something sneakily. And indeed, he did. He even uh, came out clutching the heel of his brother when he was born. And when they were young men, he managed to trick or, or to, uh, not trick, it's not the right word. He, uh, he, he got from his brother the birthright. Um, I don't know what the right word is. In, in a way that was uh, uh, underhanded. He took advantage of his brother's uh, hunger and character to get something that he wanted. And as Brother Doug was preaching this morning, I was reminded of some of these things, this lust that we have, this desire that Jacob had to be a man of importance and a man of substance and desire that, that birthright blessing or that birthright. And then he also, then through trickery, stole the blessing that was to be <clears throat> Esau's. So he was rightly called Jacob. He even, and I read that again last night in my own meditations, how when he was working for wages for his uncle Laban, he had a system where he was able to in increase the, the, um, the virility and the, and, the, and the number of his own stock while Laban's decreased, even though he was doing everything technically by the book. He was a sneaky man an underhanded man. But now, <clears throat> there's one other account I think that is worth mentioning too. Now that he has left Laban with his family, he meets two angels of God on his way back to his homeland. And he calls the place where he meets the Manahayim, which is the host of God. He recognized these two angels as being from God. And, and he prays a, a heartfelt prayer <clears throat> to God, asking for God's protection and blessing to go with him as he goes to confront his yesterday, his actions with his brother Esau. Now on this night, he's on the edge of this brook called Jabbok. And Jabbok actually means poured out or it means wrestling. Seems to have roots from both words. And this, this brook is definitely a dividing line, a barrier for Jacob. He has his family with him. He comes up with a scheme to try to appease his brother. He, he does whatever he can to keep his family safe by, by um, splitting it up into bands. We read about that as well. 
But he gets to this brook and he sends everything that he has, including his wife, his wives and their, their, their maidservants and his children over the brook, and he stays behind alone. And the Bible doesn't explicitly tell us why. It just simply mentions it as a matter of fact, that he sent them over and he stays alone. And it seems that there was, we read he was sore afraid. There, there, were, there were things that were bothering him, that were agitating him throughout this whole, this whole episode. And it says he gets his family up. And if you, if you noticed that, that we read together. Let me just find the. And he rose up that night and sent them over the brook. It was like there was some kind of a premonition there that something was coming or, or he didn't, didn't uh, understand, you know, maybe what was going on. But it's like he, he, couldn't, he couldn't even spend the night there. He had to send his family over and he stayed behind. I don't know why. I think I would have done the exact opposite. Knowing that I was the one who was the cause if I put myself in Jacob's shoes, knowing that I was the one who was the cause of, of Esau's wrath, I would have rather gone to meet him alone, that if he was still angry at me, that his anger would be appeased, and at least the family, the wives and the, and the, the, wives and the children and the flocks could escape. Why not that way around? But he does, he does the opposite. He sends over everything God has given him, and he waits behind. I don't think it's an accident that this happened at night. I have to tell you that usually for myself, when I really start thinking about God and life and death, it's usually in the nighttime. When the others have gone to bed, and I'm sitting alone on my couch, usually there's a fire going on the fireplace now that it's colder. I have my books and my Bible, and I'm reading and I'm thinking. And it was in the nighttime, too, that God chose to come to Jacob. Something very interesting about the night. The night shows us something of the greatness of God that we never notice during the day. Have you ever thought about that? In the garishness of the daylight, we only see the world around us. There's activity distractions, things going on. But at night, when the face of the earth is turned away from the sun, the heavens open to us. And we get a sense of how small we really are. How we're alone in this vast blackness, this tiny little chip of a planet floating in a sea of space. And who made all this? Whose hand wrought all these things? And what is my place in it? What happens when I die? I don't think it's any accident that most of the world's entertainment happens at night to distract us from these things we don't see during the day. Jacob was alone at night there. It doesn't tell us much more than it simply says that 
and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Suddenly he's wrestling with a man until dawn. Doesn't tell us how he met him. Doesn't tell us what the circumstances were. I heard one preacher once speculate, you know, in that darkness someone jumped on him and who do you think he thought he was? Esau come to get him perhaps. I don't know. It just says simply that they wrestled. But there was something about this wrestling that was a little different. A little different than other types of wrestling. This was not a a wrestling, I think, to overcome. This was Jacob not willing to let this man go. He tells him later on, I will not let thee go unless thou bless me. And as I was thinking about this, you know, there's so many questions. We don't, we don't really know why. But we find out after in the account that this man that he was wrestling with was none other than God in some form. I don't know if it was the angel of the Lord. Some people speculate it was the pre-incarnate Christ. I'm not totally comfortable with that interpretation. But it was somehow God come in the flesh there. And the only parallel that I think we can find to it in Scripture is when Moses met God in the mount. And God said, go stand in the cleft of the rock and I'll place my hand over thee and I will pass by and I will declare my name unto thee. There was something going on there that had to do with Jacob's identity and with God's identity and with a blessing. Jacob said, I will not let thee go unless thou bless me. But just a few verses before, he says in his prayer how the Lord has blessed him. He, he crossed over Jordan with this staff, he said, with a, just a stick in his hand. And now he's come over and there's two bands and huge flocks and 11 children. What kind of a blessing was he looking for? In all of this, I overlay my own life and I look at this set of circumstances and I think too, you know, what do I really want from God? What do I really want from Him? Have you thought about that? If you're living here in Canada, you're already above about 98% of the world. You're already way more wealthy than most people on this planet. So what do you really want from him? Obviously, the physical blessings were not enough. I will not let thee go unless thou bless me. What was that thing that was missing from Jacob's life? I'm again reminded of Moses. When God had had enough, and he said, that's enough, I'll no longer go with you. You are too sinful as a people. I'll send my angel to lead you into the promised land, and that's good enough. And what did Moses say? No, that's not good enough. Unless you go with us, we will not enter in. I think this is what it was too. Perhaps Jacob saw this man and realized he was, he was, he was, maybe like those angels that he had seen a short time before, crossing over that brook 
And Jacob knew he couldn't cross over there. Not until he knew for sure that the blessing of God was with him. And so he held on to him. That, that brook served as some kind of a barrier. And as I was thinking about that, isn't that a good metaphor for death? Do you really want to cross that river? Not knowing if God is with you? Not knowing what may await you on the other side? That's a heavy burden. Jacob had to send over everything ahead of him. Everything. Eventually, I remember once a preacher saying, eventually you will be totally alone with God. And that is either to you a prospect of great delight or unimaginable terror. I thought about those words a bit, turned them over in my head. I thought, yes, that's true, isn't it? Eventually, I will have only God alone. He will need to suffice for me. And if I believe who he says he is, and if I believe the things that this word says, that is a source of unimaginable delight. But without that, a terror worse than Esau. Jacob wrestled with him. Do you wrestle with God? Do you? That's not a light question. Are you not willing to let God go until he blesses you? Or are you satisfied with throwing him a couple of scraps on a Sunday reading a chapter here and there, kneeling by your bed for a minute or two and think that that's enough. I say that to myself. If he is the one that I'm going to trust to get me over that river, do I spend time in wrestlings to know that he is blessing me and that I'm doing his will and not stepping out on my own? That's a heavy question. When you put your whole life in the balance, everything you've been given, is it a 50-50 proposition? Or is it, if God doesn't go with me, all of these things don't matter a single bit? You know, our children are so precious. We, we are concerned for their safety. And Jacob was concerned for his own children's safety as well. But this life is short, and if we only offer our children safety here, what real safety is that? The most dangerous thing for Jacob would have been to step across that brook without God and face Esau with his own conniving and scheming. He needed to abandon himself to God, put it all on the line as it were, 
and say, God, unless you are with me, I, I, I can't go over. I heard it once said about prayer, God does not answer prayer. He answers desperate prayer. And in our world of comfort, in our good land, as it were, I don't know how much desperate prayer goes on anymore. I can speak for myself and say it. It's often more prayer-driven sense by a sense of duty or obligation or, or concerns connected to things to me and myself and my comfort. Not a whole lot of wrestling with God. He says, in the last few verses we've read together, You know, it's, it's interesting to see. It says, he wrestled until the break of day. Why was that? And the only answer I could have for that is that Jacob wasn't allowed to see something there that would be revealed maybe by the daylight. And so it had to end. And perhaps this is why I was reminded of Moses. No man shall see my face and live. Perhaps God was being merciful even in that to say, you, you can't, you're not ready for this yet. You cannot see me. And so it was at the break of the day then that this exchange occurred. And he says, the, the, the other man that he wrestled with said, what is thy name? And he says here, Jacob. He had been asked that question before by his father. And he replied falsely, it's Esau. I'm your son Esau. Now there's no hiding. This is what happens when you wrestle with God. You're stripped of pretense. Not only are you stripped of everything that you think you own, but your identity now is naked and open before him. And who you are needs to be dealt with. Jacob confessed his own twisted and sinful nature. So I'm the supplanter. I'm the one who takes things that aren't rightfully his. And the man says to him, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. You've overcome. You've overcome by hanging on. He didn't overcome by wrestling the man to submission. He overcame by hanging on. And sometimes that's what we're called to do as well. When things don't look so good, God asks us to be faithful to what he's called us to. Then Jacob says something. He says, tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And the man just simply says, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? So why do you ask for that? The time was not yet come. That name would be revealed, but it would be revealed to one of his great, great, great grandchildren, Moses. Moses would hear the name of the Lord but not yet Jacob. It was enough to know that he was the God of Abraham and Isaac and that he would go with him. And he blessed him there. A man that has wrestled with God or a woman that has wrestled with God bears that mark upon them. Someone that has gone through that. I believe it's that garment of humility, that brokenness that we heard about this morning. 
Jacob never walked the same way again. The cockiness of the old Jacob was gone. The prince with God now walked with a limp. He walked different than other men. So should it be with us. If we've wrestled with God, if we have overcome through the power of his son, we better walk different. We're now a prince with God, but a pilgrim here below. When Jacob met Pharaoh, those were his words. He says, few and evil have been the days of my pilgrimage here. Even though God had promised him all that land and nations to come out of him, he recognized his pilgrim status, that the things down here can't really be held. What's worth holding on to is the God who can bless and lead over that river. May the Lord add whatever was lacking to what was said. There was another time that God spoke to Jacob at night. The first vision that he had when he was fleeing from his brother. He saw, as it were, a ladder to heaven. Angels ascending and descending. God blessed him there as well. He calls us. But once we have been called, that's not the end of God's work with us. And we can see from Jacob's long life, God led him through many, many circumstances, some very difficult. Think of the presumed death of Joseph and how that weighed on him. The loss of Rachel. We don't know what the Lord has in store for any of us. We're only given today. And as a younger man, I guess, certainly as a young believer, I was sometimes afraid to pray that God's will would be done in my life because I didn't know what it involved. I didn't know if he was going to say, hi, you've played that prayer now. Now I'm going to put you through the ringer. I realize now that was a, a childish and an immature way of thinking about God. The final revelation of God came through his Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that revelation was astounding. He showed us that God is our Father, a loving Father, who cares for us so much that he sent his own Son. Knowing that, would you trust your life to anyone else? What will you do? What schemes will you come up with? How will you order your life? Knowing that it all ends in a few short years, maybe shorter than you expect. Isn't that worth wrestling with God over? If you do not know him yet, I encourage you, get alone with God. And do not let him go until he blesses you. He'll break you. He'll break you through that wrestling. 
but you'll be a blessed and a better person for it. That breaking will be for your benefit. It may sound ridiculous to you when I'm saying these things, but I know it's true because it was true in me. And others who've experienced it have, have found the same thing. That's what it takes. Wrestle with God. What are your alternatives? Look up at the night sky sometime alone and think about that. And may the Lord grant you grace to find him. May he bless the words that we've heard today and may he dismiss us also with his blessing. This concludes our service.